There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Today's guest is licensed marriage and family therapist, Karen Weary. Karen is a sought-after speaker on trauma, anxiety and depression, marriage enhancement, divorce, and healthy lifestyle management. She's also the author of Achieving Peace, Purpose, and Prosperity, which focuses on how to overcome obstacles and build the life you want. We'll talk about all that and much, much more during today's installment of Next Steps Forward with our guest, the former Voice America podcaster, Karen Weary. Happy New Year and welcome to Next Steps Forward. Thank you so much, Chris, and thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to be back on my where I spent a couple of years. <laughs> Great to have you with us. And uh, apologies, I'm not sure if everyone's hearing my mean uh, Shih Tzu Zeke Barker, the mailman, but he's upstairs. So uh, the joys of COVID <laughs> and, and working from home. So Karen, let's talk about you first and then jump into some other topics after that. I find that a lot of therapists are drawn to the profession because they're driven to help others while others are motivated by their own life experiences. What drew you to become a family and, and marriage therapist? Yeah, that's a good question, Chris. I, um, well, it was a, a combination of both. I saw very much how intergenerational trauma affected you know, went from my grandmother to my mother and then to me um, in a very small, small family that I have and and how each layer, each generation passed it on in a different way. And I have always been somebody who's very determined to let's make, let's figure out how do we resolve this? How do we make things better? And how do we live our fullest life? And, and that's what I then dove into because um, I just, I got to experience for myself the disconnect there is when there is this unresolved trauma and, and then, you know, took my own time to, you know, resolve my stuff. And, um, and there's just nothing better than working with someone and seeing them come out of their shell, literally right in front of my eyes. So. I also know that many therapists experience burnout at one time or another in their careers, and especially as we're in the midst of grueling COVID 3.0, 4.0 pandemic, wherever we are, some are leaving the profession altogether for roles that take less of an emotional toll on them. What is it about your practice that keeps you motivated and excited about what you do? We, it's really a mindset situation because we, I live in a different world than a lot of other people live in, <laughs> where there are just some things that don't really exist. It's not a part of my my life, and so I and and for me, is in the beginning when I had some concerns about what was going on personally. I, for me, it really helped to dive in and and focus on helping other people through their stuff. So I got out of myself and and into helping other people. But the other part that's really important in any profession, but especially where you're working to help other people to prevent burnout is to um, really always be checking in with yourself. Where am I with regards to, I don't want to talk to anybody anymore. I need to take care of myself. I need to hang out with the people I need to hang out with. I need to exercise. I need to, you know, keep myself strong and healthy in every which way. And when we balance all that out, we can prevent it. But I think it's also also very much figuring out which population is, is your population to work with, because there are some areas that are much more demanding and will suck the life out of you if that's not your spot. <laughs> so was it more of a calling for you, just given your personal experiences? 
I think so. I, I actually originally wanted to become a physical therapist. So I've always been about what's helping people and, and getting people healthy and, and in a better place. And then I got a job uh, well of when I first came here and I was doing my initial classes, you know, initial college classes. Um, and, and I was working with a physical therapist who was quite burnt out and, and it just seemed very repetitive to me, the work that was going on, and I could be have had a totally skewed experience myself. But that's where I went to, well, if I'm not going to do that, let me go ahead and focus on something that I find is really interesting also, which is relationships. How do we make relationships better? A moment ago, you mentioned checking in with yourself. You know, as we're, you know, January 3rd, new year, new resolutions, again, covid two years, three years now, what can we do to check in with ourselves? I think it very much comes to, this is a lot of what I teach people when I work with people, um, is to pay attention. How are you feeling in different situations? So let's say, for example, a big one that I've used, you know, for a very long time is, for example, with the news, how do you feel when you turn on the news and just having it's always negative stuff spewed at you? Do you notice yourself going into you know, feeling anxious, feeling depressed, feeling hopeless? Turn it off because when we actually go out into the world, while there is some of that stuff going on that they're talking about, that is not all that's going on. There's a million other things that are going on. So notice these things, whether it's uh, what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're reading, who you're spending time with, and notice where is your energy? What are your moods? Are you shifting from one state, as in mood, to another? And is it going to a place that makes you feel better or makes you feel worse, whether about the world or about yourself? And, and then fine-tuning and using that, it's kind of like your internal barometer um, for what's going on and what's good for you, because what's good for you might not be good for me and vice versa, and it's all okay. <laughs> and you also mentioned being selective about who you hang out with. I had a guest on a few weeks ago, and she talked about going through a period where she actually had to fire friends because they weren't good for her. They weren't good for her psyche, all of that. Is that something you see a lot of the pe people you treat go through? Um, some, I don't have a lot of people who necessarily talk about it, but I certainly went through that myself and that I felt a lot of guilt about, you know, having to fire some of them because they had been really instrumental in a part of my life, but they were, you know, just very, angry, negative people, not angry at me, but angry at the world and politics. And, and I, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> Life's too short. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, totally understand. Yeah. So what are the biggest challenges that families and couples face today? And what is it about those challenges that make them the most problematic? I, that's a big question <laughs> right there. Very broad. Very broad. So some of the things, because I do work, the majority of what I work with is individuals and couples. No, I don't do families. That's too many people for me to overwhelming. Couples is enough. <laughs> um, but what I find many times is that couples, people, they what they get into is... Um, well, all of our brains are designed to look for negative things. So we really have to practice and build a new muscle in regards to looking for what actually is working. What do I actually appreciate? And, and, and then there's a lot also of, because we all as human beings have experiences that we've had where we, we see something and immediately we have a story going on in our own head and that, that's what we're really paying more attention to as opposed to what the other person is saying or doing. And then we totally misinterpret what the other person's intention is or what they're, what's going on with them. And when we do that a lot or exclusively in some cases, um, then there's that complete mis disconnect and, and um, deterioration in the, in the relationship. So it really becomes a lot about building the ability to zoom out and see ourselves, see 
I, I see my own emotions, what's going on. Oh, I recognize I'm getting really fired up. Maybe I need to take a little break. Maybe I'm misinterpreting what the other person is saying. Take a break. Let me let me see from the other person. Let me let, maybe that person isn't having an, a, a bad intention, you know? So. Well, that's an interesting point is looking at a topic or an issue from the other person's shoes or their perspective. I know I rarely do that. Is that something that we can train ourselves to do or to, to be more conscious about it as opposed to just saying it's my way or the highway and, and that's it. And just not being open-minded to someone else's views or perspectives. Absolutely. And I think the big thing um, is to hear the other person out. Uh, many times we don't hear each other out. And it's funny because they show that in movies all the time and, and where somebody's getting ready to say something really instrumental that is going to be the turning point in their relationship. And the other person is immediately that I already know what you're going to say, blah, 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 blah. And then they miss the whole point. And, you know, and we do this in relationships all the time. I'm like, I just want to tell people if the other person's still talking, unless they're having a long, you know, 30 minute monologue, then <laughs> you might want to curb how much you're saying in one sentence and one mouthful, but to really hear not just the words of what they're saying. And then the other part, and these are school skills and tools. I put those together tools, schools, <laughs> skills and tools um, that we can learn. And that I work with people when I work with couples to, okay, so let's let this person first say something. And then the other person, what did you hear? Tell the, your partner what you heard them say. And then they get to say if they got it or not, or you got this, but you missed this and this, that, and the other, and then validate and and, and empathize with them before, and think about a solution before we, we switch roles. And uh, that's definitely a tool and it takes practice and it feels awkward in the beginning. Um, however, that's something that can really be a huge tool in, in helping couples be able to work through stuff. I had a guest on a few months ago who was in an ex experience, like you mentioned in the movies where they cut them off and they, you know, think they know what they're going to say. And then she said, what I learned from that is that God gave me two ears and one mouth and keep my mouth shut and my ears open. So we'll, <laughs> exactly. we'll, we'll, we'll simple it down a little bit, I guess, for, for folks like me. Exactly. Yes. So along that line, we know that relationship dynamics have changed over time. Years ago, men were the traditional breadwinners. Mom stayed at home and raised the kids. Today, mom can make more money than dad, or more often, both mom and dad have to work to make ends meet. How have each of those changes reshaped the way family un units interact? Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it can go either way, was, as with everything in life. <clears throat> and on one hand, it can definitely give provide a lot more opportunity, you know, for both people to maybe go out and build their dreams and support each other. If there are people who are working together, there's also the other part where sometimes, and that was the case for me, where um, my son was not doing well in daycare and where uh, I saw, and I've seen this in, in, quite a few cases where I actually quit my job for a while and then I started my private practice, but that takes a while to build and, and stayed with him uh, to, because he needed, he needed me. And, and sometimes, you know, when kids are little, they just, they want mom and dad that's, you know, and that helped him become calmer and more settled. And while it was an extremely stressful part of our, our life financially and everything um, I would, I would do it all over again because to me, that was totally this, the turnaround for him. So. Mm. Another change is that young people are waiting longer to get married and fewer couples are having kids. Those relationships would seem to have far fewer stressors than the, the traditional family structure. Yet many of those relationships are fracturing too. In your experience, why those relationships come apart and how can we prevent them from ending badly? And, and this is something where, um, I think it's a good thing to to hold off and wait and be very conscious about do we want kids or do we not and and live our own lives. Um, but it comes again to the part of well, first of all, having young children is is the, going to be the most stressful part of your life. <laughs> Anybody who's has them, amen. <laughs> right? It, it you know, if you're ever having a kid to to resolve the 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 relationship, you, you're going the wrong way. It's 
more likely to break it up than not. So that part of really recognizing this is just a stressful few years that we're going through. Are we going to hunker down and get through it? Um, the other part is, again, that part of many times it's really other relationships, other past experiences that we've had, they get triggered and play out and 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 cause problems in the relationship. Generalizations can often be off the mark, but how has the COVID pandemic affected couples and what can we do to minimize those impacts? Yeah, that's one of the sad things about what has happened uh, in the domestic abuse cases have gone way up, um, alcohol overdoses, not just for couples, but even also for kids, for teenagers who have been isolated and such. So it's really a very probably caused more problems the way we responded than, you know, if we hadn't done lockdowns and and all that kind of thing, because people lost hope. And then they were stuck at home, you know, especially in relationships where maybe there were already issues that in, in child abuse cases went way up. It's so scary and sad. Um, and so again, it's, it's about really, um, well, when we're usually those kinds of things, it's because there's something else that's going on that uh, we haven't resolved in ourselves. So, um, you know, power and control issues is always at the root of, of where there's domestic violence. Um, and with uh, alcohol and drug issues, it's usually to cover up emotional pain um, and basically self-medicating. So, um, yeah, to get to where those things started is is really the best thing. Um, and and what I was telling people, whether it was couples or individuals, was from the beginning, you need to go outside. You have to go out, get some fresh air, move your body, do this kind of stuff, because you, you get a fresh perspective, literally. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned going outside. I've been working in my basement now for almost two years and there are no windows down here. And so thankfully I've got the dogs. And so I have to literally get up from my desk every three hours and go get some fresh air. And like you said, refresh out there. Uh, so that's, you know, great advice for everybody as somebody who's living it every day. And I know one cause for friction in some families is unmet expectations. A spouse's career isn't as successful as the other expects. A child doesn't get to the college they be expected to. Maybe the family doesn't make as much money as they'd hope to or live in as big of a house. How can we diffuse any unmet expectations so they don't fester and create bigger problems? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so I think many times, I, I I think that really has to do with a learning that life is, sometimes it's like a, a river that, and the river curves and sometimes there might be something around the corner that we didn't expect. And uh, in order to, uh, live a successful life, not as in getting a lot of money, but as in being able to manage your life and your relationships uh, is really to be able to, to flow more with what's going on. And kind of like what Bruce Lee, to be like water. <laughs> and, and that, okay, so, well, if you uh, aren't making the kind of money that you want, are you still liking what you're doing? Are you getting enjoyment out of it? Or do you need to maybe look into doing shifting career? Maybe you need to go to technical college uh, with regards to a kid not getting into the, the college that they wanted to or the parents wanted to. Is this kid really college? You know, somebody who wants to go to college. My kid is not somebody who wants to go to college. And and I've always been good with that because I don't think always college is college isn't for everybody. And so to really see who who is this person, um, you know, what what is the good that we have? And, and this is where we then step into uh, appreciation and gratitude and and seeing what what is it that's going well? And can we put more energy into those areas so that those areas grow? Because what we focus on grows always. So looking at it with the glass half full versus half empty. Right, right. And maybe we just need a tweak as opposed to doing a whole, oh, we got to get rid of the whole glass and start over with a new one. <laughs> I know someone who extricates himself from other people's drama by simply saying, 
not my circus, not my monkeys. It seems to work for him, but that would seem to be pretty difficult to do when interacting with people who live under the same roof. What is the best way to prevent ourselves from being caught up in other people's drama? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. (laughs) Because, you know, like you said, I mean, it's a really good point. If it's not somebody that you live with, then that's what you can do. And I think that's a good policy, generally, um, to really, to really recognize what part is my journey and what part is their journey. And, And it goes the same with somebody who's in your household. So let's just say it's, it's your spouse or partner that, um, it, mm, that's, that's a, that's a big question. (laughs) Um, because, um, yeah, we, because sometimes the one side or, you know, likes to really poke the bear and, and poke and poke and poke. And, you know, that's where, we have to have enough respect to be to to let the other person if they need a break to to let them have their break and then let's come back and the it's the challenge is when when one or both people is not again willing to listen to the other and really see the other person's point of view and then also it, it depends on okay so is the partner uh, complaining about maybe their career, there's, their, you know, it's something that's outside of the the relationship as opposed to something that's has to do with the relationship that's much more challenging if it's in. And that's where, you know, well, if that's continuing to go on, you might want to seek outside help and, um, you know, ha- have somebody else come in and, and help negotiate that. Um, but if it's something with work, then it might be something that maybe to talk about, well, do you just need a vent? Maybe sometimes we just need a vent. We just need it. Oh, just debrief, get it out of a system. And then it's like, Phew, that feels good. <laughs> and then you can maybe just be, if you're hearing it a lot, it's like, you know, maybe in your mind, go somewhere else and, <laughs> and smile and nod. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. You know, are you ready to look for another job? Maybe. <laughs> That's the right question right there. Exactly. Yeah. So you've noted that the first six years of life is when we learn the majority about how the world works and how we interact with other people. Yeah. Those experiences become anchored, cemented in the brain, if you will. And the brain is the place from which we react and behave 90% of the time. Given that childhood is so important in shaping who we are, do you think it'd be beneficial for children in that age group to go to therapy so they can make more sense of what they are, what they're learning and how they are interacting with others as they go along? Another great question. And I think this is where it would be even better if the parents prepared themselves before having the children, preferably, but if they don't get to it before they have, then at least while the children are young. And if they need to, they go to therapy because it's that part of when we have resolved our own inner issues that are going on, our the, the thing, the, the needs that we didn't feel like we had met and the bad relationships and expectations and all that kind of thing, then we are much better prepared to, you know, provide for this child and, and you know, um, just really creating uh, little people who are ready to just soar. It's like, you can do whatever you want, whatever, and, and really then back that up that, okay, well, if, if you want to build a tremendous lawn care business, as opposed to going to college, then you really support that. <laughs> um, but that really having that, and you, because you have to also model it, you can't just say it, oh, do as I say, not as I do. Um, that doesn't work. Let's switch gears and talk about trauma. You believe that an important first step in treatment is to determine what unresolved trauma, big and not so big, someone has experienced. Why is that so important as you look to treat somebody? Yeah, because what happens is that the how we experience life is that everything first uh, goes through different parts of the brain and it hits first the old part of the brain that's way back by our brain stem that's not the smart part of our brain. It's just there to make sure, okay, am I safe or am I not? And because if I'm not safe, then immediately I need to go ahead and protect this body here that I'm carrying around. And and 
that can be uh, very subtle. And, and how we then react in that moment is that the brain goes into a level of fight, flight, or freeze. And then we, uh, when all this stuff is going on, it freezes in the worst part of the situation, which we attach a negative belief about ourselves in that moment. And that's what then gets replayed. And that's from which we drive our bus subconsciously. So that's why that's really important. You said that in addition to the prevalence of unresolved traumas, a critical problem is that too often diagnoses are made too early. It seems like the best thing to do is to get to the root of a problem as early as possible. What are negative results of a too early diagnosis? Well, I think many times we uh, kind of latch onto, oh, well, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, and almost as though that's who I am and that's who I am going to be forever. And uh, many times, you know, medication is like the first thing that we go to and there is a time and a place for it. Um, but many times then we don't really get to really resolve what caused it in the first place. And when we're more asking about symptoms, are you experiencing these symptoms? Then, then you know, that could be a lot of different things. So, And what are the connections or the misdiagnosed connections between unresolved trauma and depression or post-traumatic stress? Isn't unresolved trauma the basis of post-traumatic stress? Yes, absolutely. And I, to me, that's more about um, that, you know, I think a lot of people, they have the belief that, oh, PTSD, that's something post-traumatic stress, that's that's something then once you have it, you have it for the rest of your life, as opposed to you went through something that wasn't good, that was unex, unexpected, unpleasant, you know, traumatic, whatever. Um and we can go back and heal those emotional wounds so that you do not continue to live the rest of your life with PTSD or with depression or with anxiety or all those other things. Because all those diagnoses are things, ADHD, you know, can be things that look like um, you know, your reaction from the PTSD and the trauma can look like all those other things. And that's my point with that. We've been talking with Karen Weary, and we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
346-9141 or send an email to chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. We were talking about unresolved trauma and trauma treatment before the break. Karen, is there a single best way to treat trauma in your opinion, or does the treatment approach really depend on the client's personal history? I think it depends a lot on the person's history. Uh, and personally, for me, I utilize EMDR mostly, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I have found that at least the population that uh, I seem to attract into my practice respond incredibly well to that. And uh, I, I use it as quickly as possible, sometimes even in the first uh, session, just to get people going. And, and usually people, they, they, they can, they can feel it right away. It's a relief. They have hope. They can see improvements right away. And that's what I want to give people as quickly as possible. (laughs) You mentioned being an advocate of the treatment modality called EMDR. What does EMDR stand for and how does it work? Yeah, so it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And what it does, just like I talked about right before the break, how uh, traumatic memories are stored in a very different way. They get stored frozen with the worst part in that moment of when something's happening and with the negative belief we attach in that moment. And now it gets stored and, and connected with all the other events we've had where we attach the same negative beliefs. So we start building these not subconsciously, these big neural pathways of I'm not good enough. It's my fault. I'm unlovable. So imagine how all those, when they get, they get triggered, which triggers a hair fine, it pulls up all of the events that have happened that are stuck and frozen in the worst parts and get replayed as though they're happening right here and now. And this is why I say that people, they might look like they have ADHD because, you know, they're all fired up or they look like they have anxiety because they're all fired up or they have depression because it's like, oh, all those events that happened there, they were really sucky. And <laughs> you like my technical term. Technical term, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so what we do is we zero in on one specific event because the brain can focus on that. And then we figure out what is the negative belief that you attach with it? What are the emotions that are coming up now? What are the physical sensations? That part throws people off many times. Like, what, what do I feel in my body? What are you talking about? <laughs> and this is where people in, while we're doing EMDR, also really get trained to can tune into themselves, like we talked about in the beginning of the show. Um and then we get a measurement, how uh, upsetting is it now? And what do we want to replace that negative belief with something positive and then get a measurement on that? And then this is going to sound weird. We add bilateral stimulation, which could be eye movements from side to side. It could be they have headphones where the beep goes from side to side, or I have a little machine that has these little paddles and uh, that buzz, you hold one in each hand, and that's how you get your bilateral stimulation there. What the bilateral stimulation does is it helps to uh, relax the nervous system. So now the brain doesn't go back into that uh, fight, flight, or freeze situation where basically we're working with half a brain because only the right side of the brain is lit up. And that's why we can't uh, process and integrate those memories properly without the bilateral stimulation. So, um, and that's how people get to where they feel like they're in the middle of the situation. It doesn't matter if it was 30 years ago when you were five years old or it was yesterday. And it goes from that to, it was like some, it happened to somebody else. I see it from a third party and it's over there and, and the body relaxes. So many beautiful things start happening. And what is the effectiveness rate of EMDR? Has it proven to be more effective for some groups of people than others? Um, so I'm, I'm, I did not look up numbers, So, <laughs> but uh, I would have to say for the people that I work with, I would say ballpark estimate, I would say 
up around 95% that I work with, if not more, uh, where I, because I've literally had people who came in and fell apart on my couch crying. And I just put the the tappers in, in their hands and just talk and cry and, and do this. <laughs> well, I wasn't able to do the actual protocol. And then, you know, a few minutes into doing this, they're starting to look at the petals like, wow, what, what is this? What, can I take this home? <laughs> and by the time they're done with the session, they're like smiling and feeling much better. And, you know, they put themselves together again. Um, now, one of the things that we really do need to uh, pay attention to if we can do EMDR with somebody is if you are able to change state with that meaning going from Okay, I can I can shift from feeling anxious to if I help you through some exercises, then I can get to feeling more calm um, because we do have to have the ability to go, keep one leg in the present and one leg uh, in the past. So, and once trauma has been resolved, is it possible to experience episodes again when we encounter the person or situation that caused that trauma? Yeah, so what I have heard from people is that, for example, let's say you resolve something to do with your mom, let's just say, and what people find is that they have a whole different, much better uh, relationship with their mom after that because they're able to, it's no longer replaying old tapes in your head. We have a new uh, new tape. (laughs) Um, where you're able to stay in the present moment. And so if there's something else that that triggers people, it could be just because there was something else that would be good to process. But what we find is that if they are triggered, they're not triggered way high. There's just the small things like, oh, I noticed this, and um, but I was okay. So people really find, and it's been uh, shown in, in research, how not only do we resolve past things, but people uh, have a much better ability to deal with uh, stressors in the future. You've said that for many people, and not everyone, but for many, just six to nine sessions can make a significant difference in their mental health challenges. Stories about seeing a therapist forever are so common that they're cliche. How is it possible to make significant progress in such a short number of sessions when for years, We've been told the treatment is a long, slow, arduous process. Mm. And that's exactly why I love EMDR so much, because it goes in and we, we, we have an opportunity. It's almost like rewiring the brain and we're unplugging from all that negative, um, the negative self-beliefs that we have that we've connected into that's been driving our subconscious. So when we unplug from that, and not only are we unplugging from that in the EMDR process, we're also plugging into strengths. Um, that's why, and that's why I love to get to do EMDR as quickly as possible with people that are ready and willing to. And the most of the people that I attract to me, they they hear me talk about, and they're like, "Let's do it!" Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, you're my people. Let's do it." Uh, um, because I really encourage people to. Um, I don't want to make them dependent on me. I want to, I want people to. Um, really resolve things and have tools. And then what I have a certain number of my clients, they'll pop in, kind of do a little maintenance here and there, you know, maybe once a year or a couple of years or something like that. So you and I were talking a few weeks ago and you were discussing the ripple effect that the right therapy can have. You said that as we make big changes in our own lives, we can change the lives of our spouses, children, and coworkers, and even future generations. The mention of influencing how future generations behave is really honestly, quite profound. Can you dive into that topic? Because we're often told that we can change ourselves, but we really can't expect to change others. Right. And 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 that's a really good uh, distinction there because it goes back to what I was, t- when you asked me the question about should children go to therapy? And I said, well, parents would be, it would be good if parents went to therapy and resolved themselves. And this is how we make that intergenerational ripple effect, because now that I am not getting triggered by, you know, my kid throwing food on the on the on the table because 
let's just say my mom would be screaming at me if I made any mess and now I'm all triggered and and I can't have my kid do this, but they're two years old. So that's what two-year-olds do. (laughs) So I'm screaming my head off, but by resolving that now is like, okay, this is not my mom. I'm not in that state anymore. This is my two-year-old child. and This is what two-year-olds do. And I'm just going to take a deep breath and then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to clean it up and do what I need to do, move on with my life. And that's how we can do this. So let's say, for example, with my spouse, because I'm not getting hysterical and getting triggered over the mess, then I'm not yelling at my spouse because he's not cleaning it up as quick, you know, quickly enough for me. Uh, and instead, now, so so it's in these subtle ways. So now he's not getting, you know, triggered by me because I'm def- attacking him. <laughs> and that's how we do it. That's the ripple effect. Yes. All right. Now let's get into some fun part of the conversation. <laughs> Your book. Achieving peace, purpose, and prosperity provides a roadmap in some sense to make those big changes in our lives you're talking about. Tell us about the book, which I believe is also a workbook, right? It is. Yes. Yes. And and here's my uh, non-human baby <laughs> that I birthed last year, last fall. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Just in time it for the tax write-off. It was almost a bigger job than birthing my, my human baby, but... <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so I do actually share a little bit about my own experiences just so that people can recognize, you know, I, I was not tortured or beaten or any, anything like that, but to also show, first of all, I do practice what I preach and also that it is some of these, um, more subtle things that can have indelible effects on how we feel about ourselves, how we show up in life and in relationships and such. And and at the end of each chapter, there are questions and there are places to uh, put things and write so that as you are going through this, and I talk about everything from energy to values to uh, like you were talking about, you know, creating your um you know, your, your group of people that are your support group, true support group, not, um, you know, the people we think we should be, you know, paying attention to. Um, and there's also actually a chapter in here from a former client of mine that, um, you know, shared her experience of working with me and what it did for her. So, yeah. And where can people find your book? It is on uh, available on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble online. Perfect. We'll put it out on social media as well so people can track it there as well. Thank you. So a moment ago, we were talking about future generations. Let's talk about previous generations. You mentioned earlier in the show about you, your mother, your grandmother. We shoulder a lot of baggage from our parents, including the baggage they carry from their parents, the baggage they carry from theirs, and so on and so on. Why do we carry so much old baggage around? Do we like to be miserable? Do we not know how to unload our baggage? What's going on there? Yeah, it really is a lot about, um, again, conditioning. And many times it's not taught. For example, it, in with growing up with my mom, it would, we didn't communicate. It was not about talking about things and resolving things. So uh, that was not modeled for me. So that was really another reason probably why I I was intrigued by going into this profession, because I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn really how to communicate and establish good relationships. Um, So it's, it's modeling. We, we, do what we see. And uh, it's, it's that subconscious. We just uh, do it automatically because we're 90% of the time we're on autopilot after a certain age until we decide, wait a minute, let me, let me pay a little bit of attention and see what's going on. And is this working for me or is it not? Um, And and then and many times it might be part of the culture where spoken or unspoken of we don't, you know, we don't uh, air our dirty laundry. Uh, we, we don't speak about these things or there's stigma tied to a lot of things like, oh, no, you can't, you know, you're just going to be showing like you're crazy and it's going to be you that's the bad person. <laughs> so a lot of these things hold us back and keep us stuck. Sadly. And you feel that 
you know, given the COVID pandemic and how there's been such a spotlight put on mental health of everybody and in a positive way, you know, you just use the word stigma, you know, I've been talking for months now during COVID on the show about the, you know, the, the mental health tsunami that's, that's coming after this. Well, the tsunami is here because we're still in the middle of this. You know, what can we do to help kick that stigma? I think talking more openly about it, like here. So thank you for um, providing a platform for it, uh, that this is really more about you know, people don't think twice about going to the doctor or going to the dentist. And uh, if you think about how really there's plenty of research these days now that show that 80 to 90% of our chronic physical illnesses are really caused by not taking care of our mental stress. Um, and, and so if we can get to where we can uh, take care of that and make that a high priority, we will really see our people thriving rather than just hanging on for dear life and just making it go by. Think about this, you know, how relationships will be the higher quality uh, thriving, which would then cause, as we've just been talking about, cause a, a higher quality environment for the kids to grow up in. And then that's what they're going to be doing. So, yeah, I think it's really huge. From my work in the veterans mental health space, I've learned about so many treatment methods outside of medication that are exceptionally effective. Unfortunately, it only seems like medication is often the first go-to for physicians and patients, but a lot of the population remains unaware of alternative treatments. We've talked about EMDR and frequency therapies. What other treatments do you offer or favor that are outside the realm of traditional medication? Yeah, I, I always looking for ways, things that will help our body rebuild and repair and, and support it because our body is a really this amazing machinery, if you will, creation that is designed to move towards health as long as we provide it with an environment that's conducive to it. And, and that's where um, the, the supplements that I recommend, are they're all things that I use myself, everything that I say is something I use myself. So I see results myself and I know that it's helping other people. Um, and there's uh, another thing that's called frequency therapy that I use with, with some of my clients where it uses microcurrents on one level and it uses uh, another distance um, um, energy where it's, it's harmonizing your, your field, your energy field um, with the microcurrents. It's it it's helping the cell membranes communicate in a way that it's bringing them back into um, uh, home. Uh, what is it? I lost the word. Harmony. <laughs> Harmony. Yes. There's another like where, where it goes back into where it's supposed to be, but uh, that word will come to me after the show. <laughs> yeah, equilibrium. We'll use that one. Uh, yeah, that works. So as a rule, do you prefer alternative treatment methods over traditional medications? Personally, I do. And I uh, love when working with people because, um, the, and the reason why it's not coming out of the blue is because um, the, the medications have a lot of side effects as well. And some of them are addictive. So it's really a big risk to take them. Um, and uh, I'm all about everybody's on their own journey, whatever works for you, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, but I, I am always happy to provide for people who either want to avoid it or are on them and want to see if there's a way to, to maybe wean off or what. I'm not a doctor. You have to talk with your doctor about weaning off and doing those kinds of things, which is always what I say that, well, I have these options and these alternatives um, and that if you would like, you could try and then talk with your doctor about, you know, what it's doing for you. And if there's a way to, you know, change things with your medication as you are finding benefits happening to you. So to that point, where do we strike the right balance between alternative treatments and pharmaceutical drugs? Yeah, again, I think it's really about uh, the individual uh, trying different things out and, and what is right for them. For example, you know, so the latest thing that I just found was uh, stem cell patches, which makes stem cells 
very, very affordable. Whereas before it was something that was very invasive, had to be shot in. I don't know what all had to do, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now it's something, it looks like a Band-Aid and you put it on your skin for 12 hours on and 12 hours off. And it's for less than a cup of coffee a day, uh, which is incredible. And (laughs) we are having people not just anti-age, but age in reverse. Uh, there's patents and eight, more than 80 blind, double-blind um, you know, s- studies on it. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a beautiful thing. People are getting their health back. Age in reverse, sign me up for that. Yeah, right? right about now. <laughs> well, we have just a few minutes left. What advice do you have for people in the audience who are reluctant to pursue therapy for whatever reason? I would say, you know, I think many times people don't realize that there's something better available and that, and it's also about really finding the right fit for you. I'm not the right fit for everybody. And that's perfectly okay because there is somebody out there who's the right fit for you. So, um, so I would say, you know, really consider where you are now. If you don't feel as though you're in a good space mentally, then I would encourage you to look, reach out to different people, find the person that you, when you talk to them on the phone or you read their profile, I hear this all the time, people who reach out to me and say, oh, yeah, I've read this on your profile, or you sound like this, or I saw this, and it resonated with them. And find that person and then see if it, if it doesn't work, then try somebody else. But I, you can really you can really switch from feel. I, I, it's like we're in our own mental prison when we're in that other place. And so I encourage you to find the key to get out of your own mental prison. I love that line. Mm. Reuse that if you don't mind. Absolutely. Take it and run with it. <laughs> so there's an obvious topic this time of year we haven't talked about yet. And that's New Year's resolutions. Unfortunately, today's January, what, 3rd, 4th? Many resolutions have already fallen by the wayside and most won't survive until January 31st. What advice do you have as we begin this new year to encourage families and couples to set the right resolutions so they can have an outstanding year and show shared joy and success and achieve their goals? I actually stopped doing resolutions when I was a kid. (laughs) But what I like to do instead is to uh, have a vision board. And so I do a vision board. And even if I don't hit what it is on there, it's just something to put it out there. And now uh, with my partner, we we do one together. And and so we have our together uh, goals or visions of what we would like to have happen. And when you do that, but there's actually research that shows uh, by Lynn McTaggart. Not, she wasn't doing the research. Her, she wrote about the research where couples who have good good relationship, they're on the same page. They can they truly do with the intention uh, make things happen. It's not woo woo. It's actual research. <laughs> look look for the intention experiment. Karen Weary, thank you for sharing your insights with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, the pleasure was mine. And as always, thank you to our wonderful audience for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Meek Public Figure and on Twitter at Chris Meek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place, with another leader from the world of business, politics, public policy, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.